Well, the Senate had its uh, procedural votes today um, to, to, to end debate on, on Kavanaugh's confirmation, which sets up the final confirmation vote for tomorrow. And in a normal situation, that would be, uh, you know, that would be a, a you'd have pretty good certainty that he'll be confirmed uh, because they, they move forward. But it was 51 to 49 in favor. But you never know. You never know if somebody will switch now from a yes to a no in between now and then. Uh, nothing is certain. And uh, I, I'm sure the Democrats will try to pull another rabbit out of the hat in the next 24 hours. We'll see if they pull it off. But um, as we hopefully move now towards Kavanaugh's confirmation, I have just a couple of things I, I want to say. And I'll start with this. After Kavanaugh is confirmed, if he's confirmed, I think there should be another FBI investigation. Um, and that's what the Democrats want, right? They're not, they weren't satisfied with the, with the investigation that was, that was done because it turned up nothing. It turned up nothing on Kavanaugh anyway. And so they weren't satisfied with that. They want to do another FBI investigation, which, which, which of course is a shocking turn of events, right? I mean, we're all just completely shocked that the Democrats were unsatisfied with the FBI investigation that they demanded. But anyway, I actually agree with them that there should be another FBI investigation, but not into Kavanaugh. That's been done. There should be an FBI investigation into Christine Ford and her attorneys and Senate Democrats. Now, the mass media is uh, not, not going to report this news, of course, but this is really blockbuster stuff. Okay, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Monica McLean, who is the former FBI agent and friend of Christine Ford, the, the, the first time we heard her name was a few days ago when Ford's ex-boyfriend came out and said, and, and said uh, under oath, he said that Ford helped to coach McLean on how to pass a lie detector test, I guess, when she was originally uh, interviewing to, to, to work for the FBI. And that was significant because it, it means that, um, it means, number one, that Ford lied under oath, uh, and it also means that Ford knows how to pass lie detectors, te lie detector tests. She knows how to beat them, right? And which would call her polygraph examination into into question. Well, now, um, according to Ford's high school friend, you got to kind of follow the threads here. I know it gets confusing, but according to Ford's high school friend Leland Kaiser, McLean called her Kaiser to pressure her to change her story. Remember. Leland Kaiser is, is, is the one who was supposed to be a witness for, for Ford. Uh, she was supposedly at this party where this thing supposedly happened. But Kaiser's been saying the whole time, I have no memory of any party. I didn't know, I didn't know Brett Kavanaugh, right? Uh, well, according to her, this, F, this former FBI agent and friend of Christine Ford called her to try to pressure her to, I think the word she used was, revisit her, uh, her testimony. And then it was after that, now, you, remember, you may remember a few days ago, the media made a big deal of it when Kaiser came out and said, I still don't remember anything from this party, and I don't know Brett Kavanaugh, but I believe Christine Ford. That was the first time she had said that. That was the first time she said she believed her. And apparently it was after she had been getting, getting pressure from this um, former FBI agent. It's a very interesting. On a number of levels, this is very interesting because obviously it indicates a potential cover-up. It also reveals that McLean is not just some random person. When Ford's ex-boyfriend first mentioned her, we thought she was just some random friend. We didn't think there was any significance to the name, but, but now we find out that she's deeply involved in all this. 
And also, when McLean denied what the ex-boyfriend said, I think now that denial is suspect because of how deeply involved she is. Okay, so package that with Chuck Grassley's letter to Ford's attorneys last night, where he makes mention very cryptically of a, of certain communications between Democrats and Ford and between Ford and the other Kavanaugh accusers. In fact, let me, um, uh, let me see if I can pull that up. I'm not sure if I still have it. All right, so Chuck Grassley sent a letter to Ford's attorneys last night asking yet again for whatever evidence Ford supposedly has, asking her to turn it over, especially the therapist notes. Now, let me read the last paragraph, very interesting last paragraph of this letter. He says, uh, I urge you once again, now for the third time in writing, to turn over the therapy notes, polygraph materials, and communications with the Washington Post that Dr. Ford has relied upon as evidence. In addition to the evidence I requested in my October 2nd letter, in light, in light of recently uncovered information, Please turn over records and descriptions of direct or indirect communications between Dr. Ford or her representatives and any of the following. One, U.S. senators or their staffs, particularly the offices of Senators Feinstein and Hirono, Hirono, other than your communication with me and my staff in preparation for the September 27th hearing. Two, the alleged witnesses identified by Dr. Ford, Leland Kaiser, Mark Judge, and Patricia, uh, and uh, Patrick Smith. And three, Debbie Ramirez, Julie Swetnick, or their representatives. Um, wow, that's, that's pretty significant. This is the first time we've heard anything about for, potentially Ford communicating with Swetnick and, and Ramirez. Um, this is starting to look more and more like a coordinated political hit job. And if that's what this is, then this is one of the worst scandals in American political history, by far. And it certainly warrants an investigation. We need to know now. Now we need to know, how did all this come about? What's going on behind the scenes? Because, because this cannot be allowed again. It's not only destructive of an innocent man and his family, but it erodes our very system of government. So anyone involved or potentially involved with a conspiracy like this has to be punished severely. So there has to be an investigation. If there was any, I mean, there could be multiple. I have no idea if, I have no idea if there was coordination. I don't know if there was coordination. I don't know what it consisted of. But there could be multiple ways of coordination here. And if there was any coordination at all, at all, between Ford and Democrats or Ford and the other accusers, if they coordinated to any extent whatsoever, then um, that's a huge scandal. And I, I think th this warrants a federal investigation. Because you just can't, you can't have that. I mean, there, there can't be any whiff. There can't be the slightest whiff of coordination with something like this. Ford needs to have been completely independent, coming out completely on her own, of her own accord, to tell a story that is completely her own. If, if any part of that is not true, right, if, if, this, if this story wasn't completely hers because someone helped her craft it, or if it wasn't completely her decision to come forward because she was pressured into it by Democrats or anything like that, it's a huge scandal. So, yeah, I think there should be an FBI investigation. Um, second thing I want to mention 
I've, I've been thinking about this with the with the, with the Kavanaugh and um, the you have this incredible hostility towards men that, that has been brought to the surface on the part of leftists, especially feminists. And this is not a revelation, obviously. We know that feminists hate men, but it's always remarkable when you see it displayed. And you, you see really the hatred of men, and that's what's been bubbling over in these last few weeks, this hatred of men, which is delusional, along with an equally delusional victim mentality. So we've seen the victim mentality of left-wing feminists over this Kavanaugh thing. So take uh, the, the, the anti-Kavanaugh demonstrations yesterday. Elizabeth Warren uh, showed up at one of them. And, and well, before we get to that, so you've got these, these uh, demonstrations, and you look at the signs and what these, it's mostly women, you look at what they're shouting and the signs, are, they're saying, oh, we, we don't want to be silenced. We're not going to be silenced. And they, I saw several of them holding signs that said, the sign said something like, we're fighting for our lives, or this is a fight for our lives. Really? This is a fight for your life? Your life is in jeopardy? Who, who's threatening your life? I know people have been threatening Kavanaugh's life and, uh, and Senate Republicans and his family. I know people have been threatening, but, but your, your life, who's, who, who has threatened your life? How is, how is this a fight for your life? How is this? A... Um, but then Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren showed up and she declared that women, this is what she said. She says, women are tired, quote, tired of being told to sit down and shut up. What? This is, this is easily the dumbest of all the dumb feminist talking points. This idea that women are being silenced and told to shut up. You hear that all the time. Kamala Harris, she, she, this is her favorite thing to say. I, I won't be silenced. Women will no longer be What are you talking about? Where is that happening? You're not, you're not being silenced? What are you talking about? Where are these men who are supposedly going around telling women to sit down and shut up and be silent? Where are women in America being silenced? I don't see it happening. I mean, can you give me one example? I've never, I have never in my life ever heard a man say that all women need to sit down and shut up and not chime in on whatever particular subject. Now, I hear women, I hear feminist women say that about men all the time. All the time. It's one of their favorite things to say. They're constantly telling us that we're not allowed to participate in certain discussions. And pretty much any discussion. If we're white men, as white men, we're not allowed to be a part of any discussion. Um, and so they're always telling us that. We're, we're, we're always being told to sit down. In fact, Senator Hirono, she said those words exactly. She said men need to shut up. So, yeah, we're being told to shut up. But, but where are, can you give, I mean, can you give me like two or three examples? I mean, can you even give me one example of, 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 a, of a prominent man coming out and saying, you know, women need, really need to shut up about this? <laughs> I mean, it's, I can't even say it. So it makes me laugh because no one, no one says that. So just, so, so you're being silly, really. Is what, this is just, this is total silliness. Uh, you're being hysterical. I know feminists hate it when, when they're called hysterical, but you're being absolutely hysterical and you need to calm down because nobody is telling you to, to be silent. No one is silencing you. No one is telling you to shut up at all. Um, from my vantage point, and I don't say this disparagingly, I don't say it as a complaint, but from my vantage point, it seems like women do quite a bit of talking and uh, so <laughs> silenced. Women, it doesn't seem like, I mean, it just, it seems to me, just living in society, it seems like women are not shy about talking and making their opinion known. I, I, so I, 
Um, a part of this is, and this is kind of beside the point, but you, you hear feminists complain all the time about, um, about men talking over them and interrupting and so forth. And this is just another example of the incredible narcissism of feminists, where they think that everything's about them. They think everything that happens to them, it, it, they're the only ones that it happens to. So they'll tell these sob stories of, you know, one time I was at a meeting and a male coworker interrupted me and he, he, he delegitimized my point of view and he otherized me. It was so terrible. Oh, that's, that's just a, that's a human experience, okay? Get over yourself. It happens to everybody. It's part of human communication. People get interrupted. They get talked over. You think that never happens to us? You, don't think, you, you think we never get interrupted or talked over? But a feminist is interrupted or disagreed with, and that actually, that's what they mean. When they say they're being silenced, what they really mean is they are being disagreed with. So they say, uh, Brett Kavanaugh's a rapist. And then if you say, well, I disagree with that. Stop silencing me. You're silencing me. Uh, excuse me, you know, I really disagree with your point here. You're si- Stop silencing me. I will not be silenced. Good Lord, grow up. Get over yourself. Learn to deal with life. Learn to deal with existing as a, in a human society. Nobody's silencing you. You have never been silenced. All you do is scream and complain. Silenced? You're shouting into a freaking megaphone. I mean, that's what feminism has become, right? It's become a bunch of women on a street corner screaming into a megaphone that they're being silenced. That's what it is. They're like screaming into your ear. I'm being silenced. It's like, no, you're not. I mean, can you, you're not being silenced at all. In fact, you're going to, you're going to blow my eardrums out is what you're going to do. So, I mean, can you at least turn down the volume slightly? Um, the funny thing is that normal women, that is to say non-feminist women, uh, healthy women, their biggest complaint about men is usually the opposite, right? Women are, are constantly trying to get men to talk. That's, my wife has always said, you know, what are you thinking about? Uh, that's, that's the classic woman question. Men never ask that question. That's a woman it's like, wants you to talk. It's like, talk some more. You're not talking enough. Um, that's how it goes in reality. Uh, that, that, so I, I've never in my life, actually, I, I don't, I don't think, I can't think of a time in my life when I've been in like a mixed group, uh, with men and women and all the men are talking while the women remain silent. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen the opposite. Uh, I've seen the opposite happen quite a bit, but I've never seen that. But these feminists, they, they paint this picture of, um, they paint this picture of society where men are talking and, uh, engaging in lively discussion while all the women are sitting quietly and meekly in a corner, you know, afraid to say anything. They can't speak. <laughs> it's laughable. That never happens. Never what world, what country are you living in? You're not living in the United, maybe, maybe Saudi Arabia. You're not living in the United States. Women are definitely, definitely, definitely not silenced by men. I mean, women, I think statistically, women say five times more in a day than a man does. Uh, they definitely use, women use a lot more words in a day than men do. So how could we, even if we wanted to silence women, we can't keep up. How could we? 
Um, anyway, the point here is that uh, is that the root of a lot of this Kavanaugh stuff is a is a, a hatred of men, and it's a hatred of men that is delusional, as I said, and not based in reality, and and not based in any kind of actual understanding of how men are and how they operate. Which again, women who are not feminists, um, because they're they're healthy and normal, you know, they have husbands and everything, and they've got and they've been around men. They understand men more, so they're not going this ridiculous cartoonish caricature of of manhood that you get from feminists. Well, women who have actually been around men and been married to a man and all that kind of stuff, they know how silly it is. That's not, that's just not, that's not how men operate, right? Men have flaws, but no, that's not it. Um, so that's what comes through loud and clear when you, when you, when you listen to leftists on this. Just take as, as one example among many, there was a, in the New Yorker, in the New Yorker this, this morning, there was a headline. The headline was, at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, Brett Kavanaugh seemingly weaponized crying the way a little boy does when he's in trouble. So there you see just contempt for men. Can you imagine, can you imagine that same headline, but about Christine Ford? Can you imagine a headline? Can you imagine if somebody wrote something uh, that said, uh, you know, Christine Ford weaponized crying the way a little girl does when she's in trouble? Can you imagine if somebody wrote a headline calling Christine Ford a little girl and mocking her for crying? The feminist would explode in, in, in an outrage that would, that would reach atomic proportions, okay? There would, be, there, would, there would actually be, radi- there would be radioactive fallout. We would all get radiation poisoning from their outrage. That's how intense, white hot it would be if, if anyone dared say anything even approaching that about any woman, especially uh, Christine Ford. But this is, what, this is what they do. They... What, they, what the left does is they immediately convict Kavanaugh, and then they convict all men by extension. So this becomes a problem of men, uh, white men specifically, which is even more absurd, where we hear over and over again, oh, it's a, this is a bunch of white men, it's a white man, white. What does white have to do? I mean, the fact that he's a man has nothing to do with it, but the fact that he's white? What does his skin color have? Why do we keep hearing about, oh, he's a white man? So? Are you suggesting that, what, sexual assault is more common among white men? Because let me tell you something. You better come with some statistics if that's your suggestion. If you're trying to imply that there's somehow some correlation between white men and sexual assault, uh, you better come with some A citation is going to be needed on that one because I don't think that's true. Um, I'll just leave it at that. I I don't think that's true. And in fact... There are countries in the world where it's essentially legal for men to rape women, but those are not white countries. I'll just tell you that. Those are not countries dominated by white people. Um, So the white thing has nothing to do with it, and the fact that he's a man uh, has nothing to do with it either. But liberals will take any opportunity they can to beat up on their favorite punching bag. And then you ask the question, why? You know, why do feminists have such contempt for men? And that they're so gleeful about. They love any opportunity to, to vomit that, that hatred um, on men. And I've said this theory before, but my, my theory is that for feminists, their hatred of men, if I, if I was really to psych, psychoanalyze them, um, 
I think their hatred comes down to envy. Feminists hate men because they want to be men. So they're, they're jealous of all the masculine traits, which they lack, but they covet. And so when they see those traits in a man, they feel resentful. Um, in essence, feminists want to tear down men, get rid of men, so that they can take the place of men. Thus, you have this very weird situation, which I've commented on many times, um, where feminists idolize masculinity. They don't hate masculinity. No, they, they put masculinity on a, on a pedestal. They worship it. So they idolize masculinity, but they hate masculine men because it's sort of a competition. They want to take that masculinity and appropriate it and have it for themselves. And guys like Kavanaugh are especially contemptible in their minds because he's, you know, this is a successful man who used to be apparently kind of a, a jock and he liked to party and all that kind of stuff. So he's a regular kind of masculine guy in that sense. So he's the exact prototype of the sort of man that feminists hate because it's exactly the sort of man they want to be. Um, that's, they, they paint him as this guy who's, you know, aggressive. Um, obviously he's been successful. All these things, this, this is what, this is how feminists think women should behave. So that's what you have. Hatred for men and, um, and the victim mentality. You see just how desperate feminists are to be victims. They'll take any opportunity to be a victim. I really think feminists, they, if they could go back in a time machine to um, the early 20th century or before, they would, they would do it in a heartbeat. They would, they would love that. They would love to, to live in a situation where women really are being persecuted, uh, where, they, where they really are being disenfranchised. They would love that. If they actually had a real reason to be victimized, because that's, that's what they want more than anything in life. But they don't have that because women have all the same equal rights in, in America as men. They even have more rights than men do in, in many respects. So they're completely equal. They're not being persecuted at all, not even a little bit. And they hate that because they want it so badly. And so they go looking for persecution. And they say, oh, well, Brett Kavanaugh is persecuting them somehow. Or, hey, a guy is, a guy is a sitting with his, with his legs too wide on the subway. They're being persecuted. Or, hey, you, you interrupted me, and uh, so I'm being persecuted. I mean, they're just looking for any excuse. Um, so that's all that's coming out in this, uh, from this Kavanaugh thing. But hopefully the nightmare will be over soon for Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, and, and when that happens, if it happens, as I said, going back to the beginning, hopefully that'll be the end of the story for him. But that cannot be the end of the story, period. Um, because there's a lot of following up that I think some law enforcement agencies need to do so that we can get to the bottom of all this. All right, we'll see what happens with the vote over the weekend, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on Monday. Have a good weekend. Godspeed.